When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Welcome back to Draft Vice, everybody. It is here. We are now. It is the time for the draft. Almost, but not quite. A couple more days to go. And I thought I'd throw out another looking to the future moment for everybody. You know, if you haven't caught up to all the teams, what have been going on for some of them, this is your opportunity to see, like, what, what are their prospects for 2020 if we have a season? If we even have a season, everybody. But if we're going into the draft, you might get an idea of what some of these teams might do in the draft with their picks. But before we get into that, right, there's some news. The Jaguars have released Marquise Lee, wide receiver for the, well, Jacksonville Jaguars. That's how they released him. You can't release another team's player. That'd be kind of funny. It's like, hey, the Giants just released uh, Josh Allen. Isn't he on the Bills? Yes, he is on the Bills. How did the Giants release him? They just decided to say, you're released, and he left. We were confused. He's like, oh, I thought I was on the other blue uh, New York team. Yeah, so Marquise Lee, uh, second-round pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars, actually had himself uh, a couple of good seasons, so I'm a little shocked that they let him go. Clearly, they're in rebuild mode. They're trying to accumulate as much assets as they can go into 2020 as to to rebuild and rebound, if you will. I think they were probably trying to shop him a little bit. And keep in mind, Marquise Lee had a couple of injuries over the years. so But he, he had a good season with Blake Bortles. That's why they gave him the deal that they did. In fact, they kept Marquise Lee and let Allen Robinson walk. So that kind of gives you an idea of what goes on in Jacksonville's head, if you will. So there you go, Jacksonville doing Jacksonville things. That's kind of how it goes. Uh, but again, he wasn't really much of a of a player in that offense the last year. So this is a good idea. You're getting younger. You have a guy who's going to leave. You're going to save some money on the contract. I guess they were hoping to maybe get a pick for the guy. They didn't. Oh well, that's what happens. But uh, you know, you at least have some extra space. You're going to probably roll it over to next year. Speaking of rollover couple of the teams that we're talking about today might have a little bit of extra rollover going into next year, or they might be saving that money for a rainy day this year. But I digress, right? Before we get into that, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, right, uh, has been a franchise tag player for the Jacksonville Jaguars, has been like, yo, dude, trade me, yo. And I, I got to say, like, I kind of get the guy. Like, I get it. Uh, he knows he's not playing for Jacksonville next year. He doesn't think he is. He's He's kind of on his way out. That team kind of mismanaged players and kind of ruined a lot of relationships with players. It's why Jalen Ramsey wanted out. Uh, it's why Yannick Ngakwe was kind of like, yo, dude, I'm busting. I don't like this shit no more. And part of it was not the current administration entirely. Part of it was was uh, they had Coughlin there. Coughlin rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, uh, had fined a lot of pl- had had done things that he really wasn't supposed to do according to the, the CBA at the time. So... He's, you know, now they're dealing with the situation of players who now have a bad feeling towards this team, and they want to get out. You know, uh, Jalen Ramsey wanted out, Yannick Ngakwe wants out, and Yannick Ngakwe didn't sign a new deal with the team. He's currently franchise tagged. Now, he can go ahead and sign the tender, and that'll give him $17 million, which might be the smart thing to do. Go ahead and sign the tender and not do anything. Now, I guess the good thing for him is he's probably waiting to see if they if they even have a season this year. What does that mean for his tender? If he signs it now, there's there's some question marks about what happens if there's no 2020, right? Does the the tender still apply to him and then he gets to go become a free agent next year? Does it roll over? There's a couple of like major questions that kind of go into this as to how the team as to how the franchise tag tender affects this player. And other franchised players as well. So he wants to be out. They franchise tagged him. He's saying trade me. 
the the team's uh, president's like, listen, we'll trade you if the value is right. And he's like, yo, just trade me already. And he's like, dude, you're hurting the value by doing this. Calm down. Relax. If people think you're a cancer in the locker room, they're not going to pay us a pick to go ahead and trade you. Right? We want a good pick. We want fair compensation. We don't want to give you away for a fourth rounder. We want to get like at least a, a day two pick and preferably a day one pick, a first rounder if we can. That's what we're looking for. So I, I, I get where both sides are coming from, right? I get where Yannick's coming from, right? You, this is an undemocratic bullshit thing. You can't do this anywhere else in society. Imagine you were trying to go to another job and they franchise tagged you. That's a, that's a weird thing. I can't do that in other gigs. I can't go from one law firm to another and they're like, no, you're franchise tagged. It's like, well, I don't want to be a lawyer here no more. Like, exactly. Like, that's such a weird concept that you get to lock people into a job in this specific place and they can't go somewhere else. It is a, it's a very peculiar thing. But not only that, now your contract's up. It's not even that you were drafted. Like, it's you. your contract is completely up. You didn't even sign this thing. And now they're saying, no, you still have to stay here. And or somebody's got to give us trade compensation. It's a weird, weird uh, thing that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world other than sports. Uh, but his thing is not a holdout. He's currently unsigned, right? There's two players talking holdout right now. Joe Mixon, Trent Williams, right? Trent Williams held out last year. He might hold out this year if he doesn't get a new deal or gets traded. And then Joe Mixon, right? Last year of his deal, Cincinnati Bengals, he wants a new deal. And he's talking potentially holding out. And the new CBA has, uh, unfortunately, a uh, an adverse effect on holding out. If you hold out, you might not accrue the, the requisite seasons to become a free agent. Uh, it might not count as an accrued season on your contract. You're, the team is not allowed to waive certain fines anymore if you're on your second contract. So now you have this problem of this, A, there's an increase in fines for holdouts, and then the teams won't be able to waive them if you're on your second contract for a holdout. Those are some very big deals. Like, that, that affects a lot of players. That at least affects uh, Mixon as far as his accruing a season and being a holdout. It could also, you know, depending on how the team treats the fines, because, again, he did sign a contract, the team still might go ahead and fine him. So there's a, there's a lot of real risk here as far as, for players, there's a lot of unfounded territory as far as holdouts go. Uh, honestly, what this is just going to do is create hold-ins, right? You're going to have players who say, you know what? Hell no, we won't go. Oh, my calf, I hurt my butt. Like, they're just going to do that. They're just going to, instead of guys not showing up. And, in fact, you've heard some, there's been some front office people who are like, dude, I prefer if they hold out. They're not causing a ruckus in the locker room. They're not coming into team meetings farting the whole day. They're not sitting there saying, like, yeah, man, 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 they're, they're just out, right? We don't have to pay attention to them, and we're not paying them, so who cares? So the problem is, is this is going to actually promote a lot more hold-ins. Players are going to show up, and they're going to be like, well, my calf hurts today. I, I, ha I have diarrhea. I just ate a bunch of prunes before I came to practice, and now I'm shitting myself. Like, it's, it's going to happen. We're going to see it. It might not happen yet, but it will happen. So that's just the worry with holdouts. I just kind of want to get my, my P's and Q's on it. I know we don't have a lot of time going into the, the, the new year, but – uh, going into the draft, but I thought it was an interesting concept to talk about. Yannick Ngakwe and Marquis Lee and Joe Mixon and all that. So let's get into some teams, everybody. It's it, We're almost at the draft. I've, I've kind of been a little lackadaisical, had a little bit of times off. So let's get into some teams. We're talking about the New York Giants today. We're also going to talk about the Buffalo Bills. And we're also going to talk about all, all East teams, right? Two a NFC East teams, one AFC East team, right? The Buffalo Bills, the New York Giants, and the Philadelphia Eagles. All three teams, somewhat close to my heart. 
Uh, I am not a Giants fan because I live in New Jersey, and I refuse to root for a team that plays in New Jersey but calls itself New York. But I know so many Giants fans. I live in the area. I feel for them. I, I pay attention to it still because, hey, why not? Uh, you know, you're a sports fan. Be a sports fan. If you like football, I don't get only pretending that you only know one thing about one team. It's fun. So anyway, the, I'm going to talk about the Giants today. The Giants are actually the first team I wrote up to do this, and I had intended to get one of the many comics that I'm friends with to be who are stand-up comedians to be on the show, and I just never, you know, I, instead I had other people on, and I kept on putting it off, waiting till I can get, like, the right comic or the right uh, Giants fan onto the show. Totally lost track, coronavirus hit, couldn't get anybody booked. So everybody else I know is a Jets. Everybody else I could have gotten on right, right away were Jets fans, Giants fans are a little bit later as far as rolling into the, the system. But we will have a bunch of Giants fans on the draft night because, again, New Jersey area, we got at least two Giants fans going to be on the panel for Draft Vice's live stream. Check it out. We're going to be on at 745 Eastern time. We're going to be watching the NFL draft, and we are going to be talking the whole time. We're going we're gonna to be those guys that you didn't want at the movie theater. That's what it is. We're just a bunch of dudes like, why are we listening to you? It's like, well, this is what you got. Should have went to the other theater down the block. You have to pay two extra bucks to watch the movie. Anyway, uh, the New York Giants, everybody, head by Dave Gettleman. But they got rid of their coach. They got rid of Pat Shermer. They got Joe Judge. What a beautiful name. I like that name, Joe Judge. They got Joe Judge. He comes in. He says, we're going to go ahead and put players in positions to win. Right? We don't know anything. We don't know anything about what's he going to do. Right, he he stole some players from a couple of other uh, pa not players. He stole some other coaches from other Patriot uh, Patriots affiliated franchises. Right, he's a he's a former Patriots special teams coach. He's walking away from them. He's saying, hey, I'm going to pull from a guy from Miami. This guy over here. I'm going to start formulating my own team and going to go to the Giants. Right, and listen, a lot of Giants fans I know like this hire. I think it's a good move. I think special teams coordinators is an untapped market. Uh, we've seen them work. We've seen it work down in Baltimore. So if, if it's worked one time and it doesn't happen very often, it might work again. Like this is it's an untapped market, and it's the reason why I think it'll work is because it's a it is, being a head coach is not being an offensive coordinator. It is a position of delegation, right? So Joe Judge comes from being in New England, sees how uh, the Patriots system works, but also understands like really what makes that system work: putting players in positions to win. So he's going to come into the Giants, and he's going to bring in his uh, his uh, his compatriots, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, you know, pull a guy from Miami, pull uh, you know maybe an assistant from Detroit, a couple of other assistants from up in New England, come in and say, "Listen, we're all going to work together." He even stole uh, the offensive coordinator for. Well, technically, didn't steal him. They fired that guy. They, he took J Jason Garrett's going to be his OC. That's going to be an interesting move. Hasn't been an OC in a long time. But I'm assuming there's input from Joe Judge. That's the great thing about being a head coach. Is why I never understood uh, head coaches who didn't want to give away power, who didn't want to give away play calling. Because if you're that involved, if you are, if you, hey, if you're bringing in the right people, you are involved enough in the offense to be like, hey, I'm gonna call a play this week. I'm the head coach. I get to do what I fucking want. If you're not some dumbass who goes for three seasons and gets two wins, there you go. Anyway, let's let's keep talking about the Giants if we shall. Giants have a lot of good players, right? A lot of interesting players, a lot of weird contracts, a lot of weird choices. I've not always been a fan of Gettleman's decision-making as far as his his sense of team-building, right? His uh, his history in team-building has been a little weird. He doesn't take in the concept of positional value. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. I You know, 
Uh, we saw the Alec Ogletree contract kind of not be worth it. Uh, for instance, that's a guy who I was going into the season, I thought they were going to cut. They ended up cutting him. Uh, so Gettleman, right? Gettleman, uh, before we even get to the start of the offseason, go back to last season, right? Uh, trades for Leonard Williams, right? A uh, third-round pick and a fifth-round pick, and it goes up to a fourth-round pick if they if they don't keep him on the raw if they don't keep him for the next year, right? If they do keep him for the next year, that level of value of compensation is so much. I you you had to know that they were going to try and keep him, right? It was it created this false sense of you have to keep the guy because you paid so much for him. So what happened? Dave Gettleman franchise tags Leonard Williams. I wasn't a I wasn't totally hating the move when they did it, but I think the other problem is I don't think there was a lot of market there for Leonard Williams. So if they let him walk, they're probably only going to get a fourth round pick anyway, and they missed out on a third rounder. So that's the issue with him. They franchise tagged him. They're going to have him on the roster this year. They have a deep defensive line, right? I mean, this is a deep D line. You know, they drafted uh, a, a D tackle last year in the first round. They also had Dalvin Tomlinson. The, uh, B.J. Hill, they just got so many defensive tackles. I don't know what you're planning to do here. Uh, just just run, you know, just, I guess they're hoping to stop the run. I didn't see them be that great at stopping the run. But before we get into that, right, what happened last year? They drafted Daniel Jones, right? And Daniel Jones, if you listen to this podcast, uh, a year ago uh, we reacted to the pick. One guy loved it. We we're going to probably have him on. We're going to have both guys from that night preferably on. Uh, on uh, the show for Thursday at different times. Uh, just because, you know, you, never, you, you don't want to have two opposing feelings. Although I, I've heard some of them have changed uh, changed sides a little bit. But I, I, like I said, I felt Daniel Jones was very comparable with Ryan Tannehill. And what did we see? We saw Ryan Tannehill pop up last year. And we saw Daniel Jones kind of have good sparks, bad sparks, not really a driver of an offense, but still pretty good. Uh, but also having some warts and some issues and Again, his first year was a rookie first year. It's how does he take a step forward this year? What do you put around him? How do you get him to become better? Right? You have a good, you have a great running back in Saquon Barkley there. You have Sterling Shepard who you extended. You have Golden Tate who you paid last year. Darius Slayton was a rookie last year, played really well. I was a, I'm a fan of Darius Slayton. I also hate him because he ruined a week or two for me in fantasy last year because I had to play against him. And he scored 30 points both times. I don't get how this works, everybody. I don't get how a guy who just came out of nowhere, oh, I have to play this guy for the last minute, and gets 40,000 points in one week. I don't get Okay, we're moving beyond that. Anyway, so uh, he's got this interesting receiving core. Uh, Evan Ingram, who actually they've been rumored to maybe potentially be willing to trade. Uh, but again, athletic tight end. He's got a lot of interesting weapons. The problem is the O-line there is kind of little, meh. Uh, the rest of the defense there is, I don't know. And uh, there's no star receivers on that team. Everybody there is good, but they're kind of uniquely good to what they do. They're not. They're role players. They're all. It's a bunch of point guards, which is not bad. It's not a bad style to build your receiving core. Uh, you don't get a lot of stars all the time. So if you don't have a star, that's a good way to build your receiving core. I, I was not a fan of the Golden Tate signing because he's a relatively older player, a lot of money, and they missed out on some compensatory pick formula costs out of signing him. But regardless, they still got a little bit out of it. Uh, they get a lot of interesting playmakers, um, but their big weakness is defense, right? They have barely pass rush, uh, the, the DBs, the pass rush, the entire defense. Let's get uh, going, and that's just coming out of last year. Now, keep in mind they had a lot of rookie corners last year, right? They had a lot of young corners. Uh, 
middle to the end of last season, they got rid of Jackrabbit, got rid of uh, Janoris Jenkins. He's a, he's on the Saints now. Going into this season, the offseason, right? Who do they sign? They signed some free agents, right? They went into the offseason with $63 million in cap, and they had a lot of players they got they could get rid of, and they did get rid of them, right? They uh, they cut Alec Ogletree. They cut Antoine Bethea. They had a lot of players walking. So they had about like $60, $70 million in cap space going into free agency. They are now at $15 million. How did they spend this? I don't know, because when I looked at their deals, some of them made sense, right? They signed, they signed James Bryberry to be the other corner on their team. I think that was actually an interesting, smart move. I'm I, not a huge fan of James Bradbury, but also the contract's not very onerous, right? It's a high per year contract, three years, 14, uh, three years, 43 and a half million. Uh, that's not too bad, right? It's, it, it's relatively high, but it's only one year. You can get out in one year of that contract, actually. So it's not a lot guaranteed, but it's a lot annual. Uh, they let Marcus Goldson walk. Marcus Golden's walk. Uh, they let Remmers walk. Eli, Eli, Eli retired. Everybody. I don't know if you were aware, but Eli uh, Ma Manning, not Eli Apple. He's still he's still in the NFL somewhere. Eli Manning retired. Uh, Halapio is a free agent. He's still on the free agent market. He was coming off an injury, so they might re-sign him for a little bit cheaper of a deal. And uh, Cody Latimer went down to Washington. Uh, you know, to switch sides. I thought they were going to go after Shaq Barrett as a pass rusher. They didn't. He uh, he ended up sticking with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, hanging out with their old buddy, JPP, down there as well. So the Giants' pass rush is not special. They signed Kyle, Kyler Fackrell, and they haven't re-signed Marcus Golden yet. I, I don't know if they will. It kind of makes you wonder what they're going to do in the draft, right? They have two major weaknesses, offensive line, Nate Solder was not as good as people thought he was going to be what they paid for that contract. And then the other problem they have is not just the offensive line, but it's also just the general defense. They got a lot of young corners, so they're hoping they develop and take a step forward, but they have no pass rush. And their linebacking core has been... And their safeties are okay. Like, I like Jabril Peppers. I'm a huge Jabril Peppers fan. Um, and I liked him when he was in Cleveland. I think that, that he was a very good part of that trade. I think he's a unique good safety when he's in the box could play a little bit in the slot really good at covering uh, safeties and running backs out of the backfield the, he, he can shut down certain weapons that other players just can't shut down I like Jabril Peppers I think he's developed into a really good player and I think he's actually replaced Landon Collins really well uh, they also signed safety Nate Ebner I don't think he's a replacement uh, for what they need at safety uh, they also signed Colt McCoy to be the backup and Deion Lewis to a, as a supportive running back to kind of like help out Saquon Barkley. And actually, that's a very high-level uh, running back signing to have as your backup. I like Deion Lewis. I think that's a great guy to pair with Saquon Barkley as his backup because he can do a lot of things Saquon can do. And honestly, if you're a smart OC, you can utilize both those guys on the field at the same time. So you get some very unique weaponry you can get some very unique matchups out of that you can scheme them i'm not sure they're going to do it but it is a interesting concept to utilize both of those guys in the passing game i don't think it'll happen uh they did lose uh Rammers. he went to the kansas city chiefs he was their right tackle last year uh did not play very well but played okay yeah that's what he is he's a league average right tackle uh he'll go and win a super bowl with the kansas city chiefs that's what everybody seems to be doing now um 
you know, they missed out on being able to pick second overall. They beat the Washington team earlier last season, and now they're going to be stuck playing up again. You know, they missed out on Chase Young. A lot of people were like, they should have lost that game, and I'm like, I'm probably one of those people. But there's a lot of a lot of players you can get at the top of this draft, right? It is a deep draft, but it's also very, like, the top 15 picks are pretty beautiful right here, right? They're picking four. Four overall. They're behind Detroit, and they're behind the Washington team, and they're behind the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, recently, it's been rumored that they like Justin Herbert. Maybe they do. Apparently, if he had come out last year, they probably would have taken him over Daniel Jones. I do guess he's, I do feel like he's an upgrade over Daniel Jones. I just don't think he's as much of an upgrade to the point where you're going to take two guys in the top 10 at quarterback two years in a row. This isn't a Kyler Murray level change in value. This is like, all right, you, you got like a, an average to like slightly above average to a slightly above average to like you, you've still only got like maybe top 15 quarterback at your best situation in all three in those two guys. So I don't think it's enough to make it take Justin Herbert. The real reality is they're probably pushing smoke out there to try to get a trade up to number four. It doesn't sound like that's going to happen. It's just not going to happen. I'm telling you right now, I don't believe it's going to happen. Uh, and listen, as, as somebody who's a big fan of trading down, I thought Gettleman should have traded down a couple of different years. He, he doesn't seem to do it. I'm a big fan of the trade down. You get extra picks. He didn't do it. Maybe he'll do it. He, he seems a lot like McCagnan where they say they're going to do it. They never do because they just they, they can never agree on value for those picks. Um, they re-signed Spencer Pulley. Palapio is a free agent. The O-line is just kind of a, li a little bit of a weird situation, right? Uh, uh, from what I can tell, again, I, there's Isaiah Simmons. They've been linked to Isaiah Simmons a ton in this draft cycle. It's either probably going to be Isaiah Simmons or an offensive tackle. If you watch, we did an offensive tackle episode a couple, uh, literally like a week ago, uh, going over like the top like 10, 12 to 12 or so tackles in this draft. It's a good draft to take tackles. There's rumors out there that they might take a, a tackle in the second round or trade back into the first round to take a tackle. That's an option. Uh, or they take a tackle at number four overall. This, both of these are interesting concepts, right? Uh, if they're looking at it and their top tackle is Andrew Thomas, right, and they're going to move Nate Solder to the right side and have Andrew Thomas on the left side, I don't hate that idea. Uh, the, uh, the idea is you're going to keep Nate Solder and you, you, you draft Jedrick Wills. I think Jedrick Wills is an elite-level talent. Um, as somebody who's not a Giants fan and will also have a lot of J Jets fans on the draft uh, vice uh, stream that night, uh, and as a Browns fan, I am probably looking for them not to draft a tackle because it'll just make guys fall down the board and increase value a little bit. So I like Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is a unique defensive weapon. I don't know what I would do in the Giants position. I probably would go offensive tackle. If I was running the Giants, I'm not speaking for Gettleman. I'm speaking for Brojo Deathbunch here that uh, I would probably draft Jedrick Wills at four overall, or I'd trade down and try and get more picks and then draft a tackle because I believe that much in offensive line and receiver, and there's both in this class in in like in such a level that you cannot believe. There's some talk. Uh, now, I know that they haven't been connected to any of the receivers, right? But there was some speculation going into the offseason. Maybe they take Jerry Judy, who's, a, again, amazing route runner. Uh, great player. We're going to talk a little bit about the receivers because a couple of these other teams are probably uh, – one of these other two teams is going to want to take a receiver in this draft. So 
there was a little bit early on speculation would they take Jerry Judy to replace, you know, not having Odell. I just don't see that happening. I don't think that's really their biggest weakness as receiver. It's offensive line. It's scheme. It was. I actually don't think it was coaching much. It was defense, too. Defense was horrible. So, and then there, there has been one rumor, would they take Derek Brown? Because, again, Gettleman has a defensive tackle fetish to an unimaginable degree. I just don't see that happening. I think that's how you lose your job is just constantly drafting D tackles in the first round. So what does this team do, right? I think they just got to go defense. Or, oh, no. I, like I said, I think offensive tackle in first round and then try to find, like, the best defensive player that you can take, whether it is a safety uh, a linebacker somewhere in that that top of the second round range where you are going to be because you're you're going to be missing your top of the third round pick. So you better utilize what you have in order to, you know, draft a good player. So say you know Isaiah Wilson falls to the second round, right? If you take Isaiah Simmons, you probably can get Isaiah Wilson. I do think that will be a possibility for them. Um, and I actually think Isaiah Wilson's very much the type of tackle that both uh, Gettleman likes and Joe Judge likes. So there is a possibility. I don't, I don't hate the idea that they take Simmons and take a tackle in the second round if it's what really matches what you want to do. I don't see that happening, but we will see. Uh, I, again, 2020 outlook is going to be interesting. I'm really intrigued by this draft. Again, five types of player, five players have basically been linked to them. It's all the tackle, all top four tackles, and Isaiah Simmons. So let's go to the next team on the board, right? This next team on the board does not even have a first-round pick. Why? They traded it for Stephon Diggs. Yes, they traded a first, a fourth, and a fifth for Stephon Diggs. Only one of those picks is really an important pick because they, they've managed to build value for the, their draft. So, again, the Bills. We're talking about the Buffalo Bills, everybody. Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean together, walking around, making this team all great for Josh Allen. And I, I mean, like, listen, I'm a big fan of their team-building mentality. What I, I've just not always been a big fan of who they've actually picked. Uh, I'm not a big Josh Allen fan, but I do believe you can build a scheme around him that can make you a, a, at least a, a playoff-caliber team. Um, and that seems to be what they do. Uh, they have about $20 million in cap space going into the draft. That's not even free agency. That was just the draft, right? Uh, they didn't lose a lot of guys in free agency. They only really like the two the biggest names they lost were Jordan Phillips, who they lost to the Arizona Cardinals, and Shaq Lawson, who went to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, both those guys are not na game changers, and they signed a lot of guys who are going to potentially uh, replace them. They re-signed Quentin Spain, their guard, to a three-year deal. I thought that was an underrated signing. Again, they are building on strength. They they went they they started out Josh Allen's career with a crappy O line, and in one year they rebuilt it. And now with their second year, they've like solidified it, right? They got uh, they got Cody Ford at right tackle, who played really well at the end of the year. They've got Quinn Spain at guard. They got Mitch Morse, who they spent a little bit of money on. They got Ty Insecki, who's a depth piece there. They got so much, and then they also have Deion Dawkins on the other side at left tackle. They've got a, a this is a good D line, a good O line. I'm I'm happy about this offensive line, and they could still probably spend a pick on the offensive line and just kind of fill out the depth on this roster. I, I like it. 
I, I, again, I'm actually kind of relatively a fan of this team from far away. I'm not a fan of the Bills, but I look at them and I go, like, you know, anytime it's not, like, them versus uh, my team, I root for the Bills because it's just, like, they're the underdogs. They're one of, like, the three underdog teams in the NFL, like, three, like one of the big three biggest underdogs. You just always feel for them. I was so happy when they when they made it into the playoffs that one year with Tyrod Taylor, and now they've done it twice with, Brent, uh, with uh, McDermott. Great move. Great signing, great head coach. I'm a big fan of uh, McDermott, everybody. They also signed Daryl Williams. Again, they seem to go after guys who uh, have a familiarity with McDermott. This makes sense. You see this a lot with head coaches, and them going after guys who they've had previous experience with. It makes sense. You have the ability to vet them previously. You, you have experience with them, so you get to go, I think this guy could play well in what we're trying to do. So they signed Daryl Williams. They signed Vernon Butler both formerly of the Panthers. They signed E.J. Gaines back. Again, he's been on and off that team the past few years. They also signed Josh Norman, formerly of the Panthers and formerly of the Washington team. He got cut, then they signed him for a one-year, $6 million deal. Uh, between him and Gaines and then also uh, Trey White, I think their cornerback situation is great. They extended Poyer. They, uh, they, they signed Quentin Jefferson, formerly of the Seahawks and of the Raiders. They, uh, they signed, uh, again, another Panther, Mario Addison, getting up there in age to a three-year deal. I don't know how long he's really going to keep playing. That might be more of a, a contract, you know, a little bit of contract jujitsu, if you will. I don't know if the full three years are ever actually going to play out. Uh, they signed linebacker A.J. Klein. They uh, they restructured Starla Tulele's deal. Uh, it, yeah, and then they... Uh, Again, they signed Josh Norman. I think this is a they they utilize this offseason. And then the big deal, right? We've talked about it before. We'll mention it again. Stephon Diggs. Trading for Stephon Diggs, that unique high-level receiver, right? Now you're going to have Stephon Diggs, John Brown, and Cole Beasley as your receiving core. That's a pretty electric receiving core. you got a fast guy who could play the flanker in John Brown. You have uh, Stephon Diggs who's played on the outside, played the X receiver very well. For a guy of his size, very unique, athletic guy. He can it gets great separation, goes up and gets the ball. Is hardcore, contested catch guy. I love it. It's, and then again, all these guys get good separation, which makes which actually helps out inaccurate quarterbacks. And then their offensive line has a lot of depth to it. And it seems like they keep going for more depth. Again, they went for Darrell Williams, try to fill out the roster there. It's a very awesome team. Very good depth, and they might trade one of these extra pick, like one of these other offensive linemen who they have sitting there, going like, "Hey, we might send you to another team because we don't really need you." Ty Seki, for example. They have a, they still have a second round pick, a third round pick, a fourth round pick, a fifth round pick, two sixth round picks, and a seventh round pick. Dude, they got picks. They still got picks. They still gonna get players. And the funny thing is, is what do they get? I think if one of the running backs falls to them in the second round, that'd be an interesting pick. Uh, they could still go D-line because they seem to love D-line. They could fill out the, the depth of the defensive line roster. Their pass rush has been a little bit hit or miss, but they play they play really good zone defense. So they usually kind of get decent corners at that rate. Uh, again, I think pass rusher, maybe one of the maybe one of the high upside pass rushers, right? Uh, Bradley and I, uh, maybe Curtis Weaver, guys who maybe they're they're not going high because either small school guys or a traits issue, but guys who could utilize in different ways. That, uh, again, if you're willing to scheme them the right way, can turn into really plus athletes and plus players for your team for years on end. I think that's a good move. Um, a couple other options. Still can go receiver, right? They don't have any big receivers. You know, if they can get a Michael Pittman, 
in the second round, or because uh, again, that guy's an elk. I've said it before. He's Mike Williams. On uh, he's Mike Williams. That's what he is. He's Mike Williams. What Mike Williams is. I'm a big fan of that player. Both of them. Uh, or they can go ahead and go for again another fast, speedy guy. Maybe Lavisca Chenault because of the injury issues. Falls. Uh, offensive line. I mean, I don't think they're going to go offensive line, but they could probably go guard. Like, I don't think they're going tackle or center, but they could definitely go guard uh, because they look at Mitch Morris and Quinn, uh, Quinn Spain as, like, their future as well as Ford and, and Dawkins. I think this is a good offensive line. I don't see a lot of weaknesses. Like I said, the running back class, man. Like, I get it. You might like the, the running back you had last year in Devin Singletary, but the guys who you're going to have in this draft are going to be unique. Yeah, Clyde, like I said before, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be there uh, potentially. If not, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift. Uh, you know, maybe you get a Jonathan Taylor, depending on this, what you kind of want to run and how you want to run them. There's a lot of opportunity in this draft class for them to still get a good player and still be very hard to take down as far as the team goes. I think the Bills are going to be a, a, a like they're going to be a playoff contender clearly in the, in the AFC, especially with the fall of a. With the continuing rebuild of Miami Dolphins, the struggles of the Jets, and the the fall of the uh, the Patriot patriarchy, I think it's going to basically be the Bills running with the lead this year. Uh, and that's not an, uh, that for surprisingly, that's not a uh, unique take. So, way to go, Bills! I'm a big fan. Last team, everybody, hang in there. We're going to get there, and we are rolling it out. Right? We got the Eagles, right? Key moves to the Eagles. They they acquired Darius Slay from the Lions in exchange for a third and a fifth round pick. That's all it cost, right? They get a, they sign him to a deal, give him a little bit of an extension. Um, I, this was something I needed. They needed a star corner. They've constantly had issues as far as the defensive backs. So now they get one guy who could shut down half the field or take out a number one player, and then you let your pass rush get to the guys. Now they still have the problem with the corner on the other side, right? But I think they've uh, they they definitely, as far as defense goes, have addressed some of the issues. Right? They signed Javon Hargrave of the the Pittsburgh Steelers, great D lineman. They, and again, they like to build on depth on the D and offensive line. Right? So they got Javon Hargrave. They also signed Nickel Roby Coleman for like a cheap, cheap deal, one point three million dollars. That's really cheap. They got Nickel Roby Coleman, one of the best slot corners in the NFL. So now you got the slot covered. You got one half the field covered. Uh, they lost Malcolm Jenkins because they released him. They have Jalen Mills and Rodney, uh, Rodney, Rodney McLeod. Those guys might play out okay. Those are about average depth pieces, decent players, not great players. I think they got two major weaknesses, right, going into the draft, receiver and corner. Um, a couple of other guys who left, Jason Peters left, Ronald Darby left, Nelson Aguilar, Malcolm Jenkins they released. Halapovate Vaitai, hey. Uh, the the offensive lineman. They lost two offensive linemen this year, and they still look good on the offensive line. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Vitae went to the Lions. Peters and uh, Peters is still a free agent. Jernigan went to the Houston Texans. So, uh, but they have about twenty six million dollars in free cap. So something tells me they have a plan. Everybody, it sounds like the Eagles have a plan of how they want to attack the defensive line or offensive line. Maybe they want to re-sign Peters if they don't feel comfortable going into the year with Dillard. I think this is a, a good idea for them. They're kind of walking into it going, listen, we have, we're have, we probably going to have to worry about a few things going into this year. But uh, uh, honestly, offensive line, they have Dillard. They probably know what they have in Dillard. Uh, it's just a fun name to say, Dillard. 
I think the O-line's fine. They could probably still add depth pieces later on in the draft. Again, they lost two major players. They might re-sign Peters depending on how uh, the draft shakes out. They, uh, again, corner, they still need to lock up that last corner spot. And I think that would be an elite defense if they did, right? So maybe if they get a guy like a Christian Fulton or a C.J. Henderson, they might be, you know, they might be sold out for business. I know people are talking about them moving up for a receiver. What if they moved up for corner, right? What if they moved up for a corner? I think that would be an interesting move. I don't know if I agree with it. I think they have a lot of uh, issues. I think they might have to stick it where they're at and take picks in both the first and second round. That hurts me a lot. Keep in mind, I'm a Browns fan. I'm a big fan of trading down. One of the teams that they're connected with, trading up to the Browns to try and pick a receiver, right? And that's been really a big question mark right there. Their offense took a little bit of a stagnation last year. They didn't have enough speed on the offense to be able to separate. So what happened? They couldn't get any separation, and teams played them too close, and they struggled to get into the playoffs. They made it to the playoffs, but they were not dominating like they could have been dominating because Deshaun Jackson was hurt the whole year, and that was the one guy with speed on offense. Also, there's a question mark with Alshon Jeffrey. He's been uh, a little bit of a locker room headache, leaking stuff to the media, being like, I don't like Carson Wentz. He didn't invite me to his birthday party. I don't think he's a leader. Uh, I can't believe he eats anchovies on pizza and Hawaiian stuff. All right. I don't know why I said Hawaiian stuff. I meant to say Hawaiian pizza, but anyway. Um, I, I kind of like what they have as far as players go. They might be like two pieces away from being an elite team like I, I honestly the favorites of the NFC East honestly I think they still are my favorites for the NFC East but I honestly think like so they got to look at a couple of pieces I think again receiver right they don't have a lot of speed there's been a lot of talks about them moving up to you know number 10 or the top uh, up into the top 10 to get one of the top receivers in this draft the guys who could play day one whether it's CeeDee Lamb or Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs has got speed for days. That changes your offense, right? Imagine having Henry Ruggs and Deshaun Jackson. You don't really have to worry about our Sega Whiteside getting any separation. You still got Hurts and Goddard, and you got Miles Sanders, who, who's a fast running back, man. He's a fast dude. So you got all these little pieces there. Um, so they, they are definitely a candidate to trade up. Maybe they trade their two second round, you know, the second round pick this year and a second round pick next year to trade up to get to closer into the top ten, uh, and they get Henry Ruggs. I do think that would change their offense. Also, Jerry Judy, another guy who gets great separation, right away, good route runner, and uh, also, you know, there's been talks about C.D. Lamb. I'm not quite sure C.D. Lamb's the exact thing they're looking for because it's he doesn't have the dynamic as far as separation ability that the other two do. Although, again, C.D. Lamb still pretty damn good receiver. So, I don't know. I think uh, I think the Eagles are the, the leader in the NFC East. I'm very intrigued by what the Giants can do as far as what they've put together, what Joe Judge has put together around him, what the coaching staff looks like. And we have no clue. We have no clue what they're going to play as far as uh, offense or defense. It sounds like they're going to stick with the 3-4 a little bit in, uh, in New York. Uh, and then the Bills. The Bills are just good. I like it. I like McDermott. I like Bean. I'm a big fan from afar away, as I said before, even though I'm actually kind of relatively close to that state. I'm just a big fan of how the Bills operate, if you will. They go after what they want. They find different unique ways of trying to address problems. And they, 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 invest, they over-invest capital to correct a situation like they did with the offensive line. I think a lot of teams can do that, and you would see a turnaround for, a turnaround for a lot of teams. 
So that's those three teams, the the Eagles, the Giants, the Bills. Let me know what your favorite is. I let, you know, Again, I'm from the tri-state area, so uh, <laughs> I hear about these teams a lot. A lot, of, a lot of my friends are fans of them. We'll have fans of them on, on, uh, on draft night. So tune in. We're going to be going up at 745 on Friday night. Uh, if you want, you can follow the podcast at DraftVice on Twitter, at DraftVice underscore football on Instagram. You can follow me at Brojo Death Punch. That's B-R-O-J-O. Death is in the end of life punch yum anyway and uh if you're watching this on youtube subscribe like it uh leave a comment leave a review if you're listening to this on itunes subscribe and share it with your friends share it with the family tune in on thursday and friday night so you get to hang out with a bunch of dudes who do stand up who also love football and maybe we could actually all be a little funny for you guys and give a little bit of hope and entertainment in this time of disaster that is the nfl draft Anyway, take care, good night, have fun. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I'm about to pass, I'm about to people.